This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Welcome to Sports Charlotte, the podcast about sports in Charlotte. My name is Herb White. I'm editor-in-chief at the Charlotte Post. And today's subject is the Big South Conference and its new commissioner, Sharika Montgomery. Uh, She is new to this job, but she is hardly new to Charlotte or the Big South. She is a former basketball player at Gardner-Webb and is intimately connected to the Big South uh, in terms of its office as well as its mission. And so we had a conversation about the conference, the landscape of college sports, and how those shifting sands and tides challenge her and the conference and its members to move forward in a very volatile time in college sports. So we had a great conversation, and here's what was bandied about in the back and forth. You've got a whole lot of things to work on and get accustomed to. It's, uh, I'm sure, a very busy time for you. It is. I say it's a busy time. Um, I was sharing with one of our ADs earlier. You know, the team has been great with the systeming, with the transition, and it does help that I spend a little bit of time in the conference office. But more than anything, having the opportunity to overlap with Kyle, that's been tremendous as well. So only about 11 days in, but things are going well so far. We made it to high point, and we got the baseball championship. We'll be kicking off here in a little bit. So busy time, but things are going well. Outstanding. And when you talk about uh, leaning on that previous experience, that institutional knowledge, if you will, I know that's got to be invaluable in making that transition to running the show on your own. Absolutely invaluable. And obviously, I'm a conversational person. So you tell me, like, you're getting into the interview. But um, it, it's invaluable. And I say that to where I've said it publicly, I've said it privately. I wouldn't be sitting where I am today in the seat that I am had I not had the intentional experiences, the leaders that have just championed me and put me in the position um, to really have those experiences to give me the confidence to know that I can do this because I've been tried and tested through some other opportunities. So it has been invaluable. It has been. Yeah. And when you took over the job, understanding it's only been a couple of weeks now, and that's why we're having a conversation now as opposed to when you were first hired uh, or appointed. Uh, When you look at this, I know it's 2023. Barriers have been broken for a while now, but still, you're succeeding somebody who's been in this job for 27 years. You're the first woman commissioner of the Big South first black person to have the job there's still barriers to be broken Uh, talk a little bit about that part of it or have you gotten to the point where it's like well you know what it's not that big a deal you know I won't say that I've gotten to the point that it's not that big of a deal and I say that just because one it's an honor um, and it is an opportunity that I think um, should be celebrated that being said and this is just me going back to my time in the big south and i spent time in south dakota as well um so having had the opportunity to regardless of the seat or the room that i've been in feel that i can show up and be authentically myself i think that's been key but to your point to be the first female to be a woman of color that is something that's not lost on me in terms of how far that says we have come but at the same time when you're the first that also shows 
how much more work there is to do in terms of you don't want to be the you don't want to be the last. So mm-hmm. definitely, it's not lost on me, but still, that shows that there's a lot more work to be done. But I think it says something that our student athletes, our coaches, our administrators, and even just individuals I've had reach out to me. It means a lot, and that in itself means a lot to me as well. Um, and even being a beacon and being an example uh, in the various what I call boxes that I represent that I check. Because it got me to thinking that of the three. Charlotte-based collegiate conferences. Two of them are led by black women. You in the Big South, Jackie McWilliams at the CIAA. The ACC awesome. is still the ACC, though, but it it says something about representation. It does. It, does. it says a lot. You, you're exactly right. And even um, as I was taking this opportunity, Jeff Jackson, who's my former commissioner at the Missouri Valley Conference, we were talking about that. And he is right before I was named. He said, you know, Sharika, you are um, one of two on the Division One level. It's myself and Sonia Steeles, who's the commissioner of the uh, Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, the MEAC. Um, but one of the, if not the only, uh, women of color currently that is serving a PWI, predominantly white institution, conference holistically. So to your point, there's, um, it, it's not lost on me. It's yeah. not. Yeah, and I think it's a real feather in Charlotte's cap that the the two leagues that have black women leading them, although one is Division Two, one's the and the other is Division One. It says something about the environment around here. Hands down, yes. And Charlotte has always been, you know, having spent seven years in the Big South, um, you know, literally step off a basketball court into the Big South Conference office. Charlotte has always been what I call a second home. You know, going to school at Gardner Webb, coming to the Carolinas in 2006. And when I moved in 2017, I've always said, I can see myself coming back to Charlotte. I can see myself coming back to Charlotte. But to your point, it is because of the diversity in the city, not only from people um, in terms of from a race, but just being a metropolitan city that you have individuals from all over the world, but then also the opportunities that are here. So, yes, Charlotte, that says a lot for the area. Uh when it comes to myself as well as Jack. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the meat of why we're here. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and as as the big cheese now, you've got this sprawling conference, and anybody who follows collegiate sports knows there's a lot of upheaval going on, uh, both literal and perception-wise. Yes. Leading a conference like the Big South, it's Division One in terms of you know the NCAA's definition, but you're in a in a I guess a place that's posing a challenge because on the one hand, most of the time you're a one bid basketball league. Right. Your football is in transition where it's been narrowed a bit, and now you're leaning on trying to find a path forward. Talk a little bit about those challenges and what do you do coming in and. You find this at the doorstep. Um, I'm one that throughout my entire career, I try to meet challenges and seeing them as opportunities. And I'll start what I'll call nationally and then I'll bring it into the Big South. You you talk about the um, upheaval that is currently going on within intercollegiate athletics, and that's not something that's isolated to the Big South Conference. You know, you think about us as an association, as an enterprise, and I say us intentionally as someone who served at the national office. There are a myriad of challenges and things that are facing us as an enterprise. When you think about name, image, and likeness, when you think about some of the congressional um, efforts and engagements and there being 
what, 35, I think, um, state, federal uh, legislation and laws with NIL and just the inconsistency there. As an association, we have a lot of work to do as it relates to still being responsible to serving and providing optimal student-athlete experiences. You take that the highest level in terms of what's going on there, you put the Big South Conference there in terms of us being one of the 32 Division One conferences and how some of those challenges really meet us at our doorsteps and how those things, some present as challenges. I think first and foremost is being intentional that our mission and who we serve, regardless of everything that's happened, that has not changed. And that is student athletes. I'm sitting here today because of an orange basketball. And that is something I share with you in the onset because it's a reminder. When I think about conference realignment, when I think about our football membership, and when I think about all of those things, it goes back to the primary reason why we're all here and why we do the work that we do, that has not changed. That being said, how do I meet those challenges? It's coming in. Um, I am someone with my background being in governance and compliance, always having been abreast of what's going on on the national level, but being intentional in terms of, as I always use an example, and I'll use one of our member institutions, how something on the national level may impact the University of South Carolina is going to vastly impact with the university or the University of South Carolina upstate vastly different. But it's making sure that we understand what those differences are and we're able to then come up and be intentional with creative means and creative efforts to really continue to support our student-athletes and some of those efforts. Um, and when it comes to the noted conference realignment, that's not something that um, I don't think anyone is safe from, but it's making sure that we are always being intentional with not only evaluating our current membership, but always being positioned that we're elevating our membership. And that's what keeping our standards where they need to be in terms of basketball success, uh, basketball success being one of the top, if not the priority, within our um, strategic plan, but also thinking about the return on investment and what that does for our member institutions there. So how do I meet those challenges? It's really seeing them as opportunities. But as I share with many people, we all have some of the same issues, but we have to be intentional in how we separate ourselves with finding unique solutions to those issues themselves. And when you look at this, as some folks will look at it as a challenge, some folks will look at it as an opportunity. But the reality is, you know, uh, even in the Power Five realm, you know, there's the possibilities of some leagues going away and being eaten up by other conferences. And I would imagine that if you're a mid-major FCS league, mm-hmm. that's a possibility as well. I mean, so how do you keep the Big South the Big South without having it go away or becoming uh, subsumed by some other league? Yeah, I think first and foremost is being um, what I'll call aligned. And I say aligned in terms of all of our member institutions with our strategic plan and with our strategic vision. And then going back to when we think about the highest level in the leadership, those are our presidents, our chief executive officer, our presidents and our chancellors. There are a myriad of things that are going on on their desk on a day-to-day basis when you think about higher education, but specifically how committed they are to intercollegiate athletics. And so that is something I think is a testament that attracted me to this opportunity, not only as a student athlete, as an administrator, but also now having an opportunity to come back um, as a commissioner. And I'll give you an example of that. When you think about um, the NCAA holistic student model and the transformation committee and a mirror of those things that have happened recently, there are things within that package 
that the Big South Conference has been doing for years. And one example is the intentional effort when it comes to programming and leadership development opportunities. And so really, like I said, looking at it uh, from a very wide scope in terms of there are some member institutions that they are doing phenomenal things in areas that some of our institutions, they're struggling in. So how do we do that as a conference to make sure that we're not being consumed? That's where it goes back to making sure that we have those strategic alignment when it comes to this is what we're all committed to when it comes to not only pushing for an individual member institutions, brands, value, holistically as a conference. Mm-hmm. And as the leader of a conference, as its commissioner, yeah. obviously there's a lot of give and take in the job. What skill set do you need to be successful as a commissioner in 2023? 2023. I'll give you three things that I shared this in my search committee. Um, and to this day, regardless of the opportunity, they've continued to um, be beneficial to me. And first and foremost is being an advocate, being an educator, as well as being a consensus builder. Starting with an advocate, as I shared earlier, now more than ever, we in Inclusive Athletics, the Big South Conference, our member institutions, I'm at a baseball championship right now. When I look at our student athletes and I think about the experiences that they're having as they're warming up, being an advocate for our student athletes, being an advocate for intercollegiate athletics, being an advocate for those optimal student athlete experiences and understanding how life-changing those opportunities are. Also, you take that context a little bit further, when you think about, you know, you read the media and you hear an NIL opportunity here being worth millions of dollars, whereas being a practitioner in this space, being an advocate and really being able to share the broad scope of some of those things, which leads me to my next point. That's being an educator. That comes with sometimes educating others, but also making sure that I am educating myself. Something that may be plaguing, I'm just looking at two institutions Gardner-Webb baseball versus Campbell's baseball, they could be two different things, but that's making sure that I'm educated of what's going on, not only in our member institutions' athletics departments, but on our respective campuses, as well as our communities. By me being educated, that's where we're able to then glean areas that are going to be opportunities for how our institutions can really serve the respective communities that they serve. And then lastly, a consensus builder. Um, I share with coaches all the time, or ADs, it doesn't matter. We go around the room, there's one person that will never get a vote, and that is a commissioner. But when it comes to being a consensus builder, it goes back to those two things I just spoke about, being an advocate and also being an educator and making sure that all of our decision makers, they are informed when it comes to making decisions. We may not all agree, but our voices will be heard. We will all be informed and we will all know how we went along together to get to where we are in terms of that final vote or that outcome. And so that's been an advocate, an educator, as well as a consensus builder. Those are things that I think have really served me well and previously in my career and I think continuously moving forward in this role as a commissioner. Now, having said all that, one could also say, well, you know what? That sounds like you... There's a lot of politics that's going to be involved. You have to deal with ADs. You have to deal with presidents and chancellors. And, of course, your main constituents are the students and as athletes. How political is a job like this? It's very political. Um, I say that to where, um, at the end of the day, we are an entity of higher education. But with that, we fit into a lot of different spectrums. Um, I used the example earlier. Um, when you think about us as an enterprise 
we are on the docket of myriad of Congress members and things of that nature that's going on. And so it's very political. Um, when, as I noted earlier, you have institutions that have different priorities, different stakeholders that are involved, and different decisions that have to be met. Yet as a conference, we're all committed to a vision and moving the conference forward. Sometimes getting, you name the administrator, you name the coach, um, to see things not from what I'll call an isolated perspective as an institution, but seeing how their efforts overall is going to enhance the entire conference. That's not an easy um, job and that's not an easy feat. And a lot of times it's very political. I think that also goes back to something I probably should have noted, relationships. That's something I value um, in my previous experience. Obviously, I've served time at the NCAA. Regardless of the matter, regardless of what we're working through, making sure that there's a level of mutual respect um, and having to deal with those. I think that also makes some of those decision-making scenarios a lot easier, even when they're not maybe received as the most optimal decision and sometimes they're actually controversial but it's a very political job because you have you have so many stakeholders and you have so many different constituencies that you were trying to build that um, that consensus with to move the conference forward so yeah and i would even imagine that public college versus private ones and they private have different example. mandates Prime example, you, you are exactly right in terms of what one institution may be bound to another or maybe not, what one institution from a public standpoint um, may be able to avail themselves to being a public institution, a private institution may not. So you hit the nail on the head in terms of not only public and private, also from a state standpoint. You know, the Big South Conference, we are over three different states, Virginia, South Carolina, and North Carolina. Sometimes there are elements that really come down to where our member institutions are located um, that play a very heavy role in some of the challenges that they may have. So you're exactly right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, In terms of the, I want to go back to expansion, and especially on the football side. Is Mm -hmm. there any movement on that front with the Big South? And and how does this impact the conference being able to keep its automatic qualifier for the FBS playoffs. Of course. So currently we are FCS. So that's the football championship. FCS. I'm sorry. Yeah. FCS. (laughs) And we are currently um, this past year, this is prior to my tenure as commissioner, um, but obviously uh, very involved in terms of how we move forward. The Big South Conference is currently um, in a partnership with the Ohio Valley Conference to where our four member institutions, which are two full-time member institutions, Charleston Southern and Gardner-Webb University, are two associate members of Robert Morris University and Bryant University. We are playing what I'll call a hybrid conference schedule with Ohio Valley and their current six member institutions to really come together with what I'll call that 10 league um, conference schedule. Still having an opportunity to have the automatic qualifier and or an entryway to the FCS championship. That is currently a four year partnership that we are in with Ohio Valley. This upcoming year will be our first um, season with that. And I think our media day is going to be July the 24th and the 25th. That's going to be had in, held in Nashville, Tennessee. And so we're really excited about that. That being said, um, while that's a partnership that we're, um, we're really optimistic about in terms of our success and continuing to elevate, we're not resting on that. Uh, membership is something that was very clear would be a priority for me. And of course, our membership holistically, but specifically when you think about the number of sports, the sports that are sponsored, 
football is definitely a priority when it comes to building our football membership out. And of course, you know this because you followed the Big South. Um, but, you know, Big South football, there was a point where we were losing member institutions to go FBS. That's a very different problem to have, whereas now we're in a position where we're expanding that. But I think that says a lot about who we are as a conference, um, our potential as a conference because of where we've been. But also, I think for me coming in as a commissioner, it was really encouraging given that I was here at a time where we were losing Liberty University to go FBS. We are losing Coastal Carolina to go FBS. Um, Kyle and some of my teammates were constantly going to North Dakota um, to compete in the FCS championship. And so even me having that background knowledge being immensely excited about our partnership and our success that we're going to have in years to come. The future, I think, is very bright as we continue to prioritize membership, but specifically growing our core football membership. And I would be remiss if I didn't talk about your past as a basketball <laughs> player. <laughs> How did that experience as an athlete uh, in North Carolina at a school that is – in this conference, yeah. do you look back at that and do you tell your 20-year-old self, oh, yeah, I had it all planned out? Let me start with no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to tell student-athletes, and I still to this day, and, you know, that's just who I am as a person in terms of I'm still figuring out what I want to be when I grow up. But when you talk about my student-athlete experience, my student-athlete experience is why I'm here today, and that is not because I knew I wanted to go into intercollegiate athletics. It was me being a transfer student athlete that really opened my eyes to what are these 8,500, what are these NCAA bylaws that I'm bound to that I have no idea what they mean. Um, prior to coming to Gardner-Webb, I was a transfer student athlete. I started at the University of Memphis and I transferred to Gardner-Webb University. And it was during that year where one, I learned that I was one of five sports that had to sit out where other sports didn't, as well as I transferred into a phenomenal institution that I had consummate um, administrators, coaches who just championed me. And that year in which I had to sit out her, I learned more about the NCAA, the inner workings, compliance and governance than I could have ever imagined. But it was taking my experience, and that's how I went into sports management. And fast forward, I tell people all the time, I literally stepped off of a basketball court into the Big South Conference office. So it was a tremendous impact in terms of me not only being grateful for the individuals that poured into me, that impacted me, that educated me on my student-athlete experience, but also understanding that this was an opportunity for me to make a career out of something that had been tremendously impactful for my life. And so it wasn't anything that was planned, um, but once Kyle and member institutions or um, uh, teammates in the office had an opportunity just to continue to pour in me, it was more of, this is really a career, and this is something that to this day I tell people all the time. Um, I will share with if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Sometimes it, it does not feel that I am working. And it is because it's a passion. It is because I see the work that is going on on the field that has went on all year. So when I'm in boardrooms, when I'm in meetings and we're making hard decisions, it's never lost on me in terms of the work that these student-athletes have put in to get to where they are today. And that really does continue to push me. And that's completely because of my student-athlete experience. Mm -hmm. So if you hadn't transferred, you may have never gotten to this space in this place? 
Now that I will say, and of course we don't we don't know what God had in mind, but that I would say her unequivocally. That 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 was the the pivot moment for me that I had to educate myself. And from that moment on, I was a student athlete on the team. I knew what we could do, I knew what we couldn't do, I knew our hours, I knew it was twenty hours in season, eight hours outside of season, I knew where all of our I just educated myself um, on our experiences and making sure that when it came to our student athlete experiences, we were educated on what we what opportunities and assistance we could avail ourselves to because those were out there. And then even transitioning to the Big South, it was no different. My time on campus, it was no different. It was always making sure our student athletes know, I will always make sure you're educated. I will always make sure you're informed from an NCAA governance and compliance perspective. Going back to then we're able to make whatever decision that may be best for you and your family. But you're exactly right. Had I not transferred and known that my softball fellow student athlete was able to transfer and be eligible immediately, whereas I wasn't, I can say that unequivocally because that was my doorway, my entry point into really understanding my student athlete experience off the court, off the field, outside of the classroom, but from an overall global perspective. And in terms of the the marketing aspect of the Big South, you know, if you're in that position again as a as a mid major, FCS, uh, obviously media community, all the other things that go into getting the word out, it's a crowded space. And then when you're talking about a market like Charlotte, it's really crowded because you're going against all different manner of distractions, entertainment, things like that. How do you get the Big South out there in terms of the conference, its schools, and what it offers, not only in terms of of potential uh, butts and seats, but also students in uniform? Of course, of course. You know, one of the things I think going back to, this was probably as I was exiting the conference, the Big South, probably about six or seven years ago, you know, we went through a rebranding process. So um, even starting there to where the Big South itself were rebranded, tagline, Big South made, where winners are made. And so there were a lot of resources and intentionalities where we worked with a law firm, or a, not a law firm, but a, um, a marketing firm out of New York, that that was a project where you would go, you would go to our member institutions and you would see billboards with our student athletes talking about where winners are made and Big South is made. And so starting there, there was an intentional effort. But then also when you think about our corporate sponsorships and our partnerships. We work with Van Wagner, and they have a tremendous team of three within our office. They do a great job with making sure that they are being intentional with what I call alignment of values when it comes to our partnerships. So it's not just, hey, we're the Big South. We have a great opportunity. We have a great partnership with ESPN. Of course, you're going to be able to see your logos, but more so in terms of an alignment of values. And that's where I feel that we've been able to continue to stay relevant, not only in the area, um, in the Charlotte area, but more so regionally. And then when you think about the national, of course, that comes with success. That comes when you see um, your programs advance into the NCAA tournaments, regardless of the program, baseball, basketball. When you see our member institutions and they see a high point university in the Big South Conference, 
that's when we're talking about that notoriety, that brand recognition, um, not only regionally, but also nationally there as well. But it's definitely an intentional effort, whether we're talking social media, marketing campaigns, efforts through our partnerships, but it is definitely one of our top priorities when it comes to being the premier um, non-FBS conference in the Southeast. Mm -hmm. And so in the next three to five years, if you put on your Miss Nostradamus hat, Yes. Where do you see the Big South in that time frame? Of course. When I think about the Big South in the next three to five years, and specifically not only just going by what I'll call words on paper of our strategic plan, albeit I do think we have tactics and we have metrics that are going to get us there, but I obviously see membership having grown and expanded from that perspective, um, from a success standpoint. Being able to look at where we are now, as I tell all of our coaches, I'm a very competitive person. I'm a very data-driven person to where, you know, we're currently ranked, and this is almost correct, maybe 21st right now to 34 com- or 32 conferences from a men's basketball standpoint. I want to know what we got to do to get to 19. That's the metric success I want to continue to see us be there. Um, we talk a lot about the importance of postseason and being um, successful in postseason. It's not just about getting to postseason, but I want us to make some noise in postseason opportunities in every single sport, being able to not only be there and show up, but to be there as well as to have a level of success. And then just when you think about the mentality, the brand, the tone in which we move, We talk about being Big South made. We talk about where winners are made. I want us to be able to continue to tell that story of not only the wins that were had on the field, in the classroom when they were here, but to be back and go, be able to go back and look and say, where are our student athletes now? And being able to tell that story. That is something that I'm truly excited about and look forward to being able to do because that goes back to brand recognition and continuing to elevate the brand of the Big South on a national landscape. Okay. All right. Well, it sounds like a really good plan. So I can't wait to see how these next three to five turn out. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. Uh, Congratulations on the new gig and the challenges that you face and uh, much success uh, moving forward. So there you have it, everybody. Sharika Montgomery, the new commissioner of the Big South Conference. She's got her work cut out for her, but She's ready to go, and it'll be interesting to see how the Big South continues to evolve with the changing collegiate sports landscape. That'll do it for this edition of Sports Charlotte. We appreciate you listening to the podcast, and for other sports-related information, uh, articles, podcasts, whatever, Please go to our website, thecharlottepost.com. Check us out on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all the usual suspects. And support our work. Again, go to thecharlottepost.com. Get a subscription. Better yet, become a donor. Because journalism is not cheap to produce. And every little bit helps. So... Keep that in mind when you listen to this podcast, when you read our articles, check out our videos, etc., etc. For everybody at the Charlotte Post, my name is Herb White. Thanks for listening. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com.